My name is Sheena Hosko, and um, I'm in residence at the Santa Fe Art Institute as part of the Food Justice Residency. Um, it's towards the end of April, and I'm in my last month here. Um, in my practice, what I usually do is I make sculptures that measure spaces of control. They're usually minimal sculptures, and I walk around the perimeter of architectural sites and spaces of control, and then like translate that into a gallery. Uh, while I've been at uh, SFAI as part of the Food Justice Residency, I've been looking at food and how it's used in prisons and spaces of incarceration. Um, so now I'm going to read a little uh, text that I wrote um, while I was here, and it talks about food as well as incarceration. Um, Canada, where I live, has three main immigration detention centers, one in Vancouver, one in Toronto, and one in the Montreal suburb of Laval. The government also reserves spaces in prisons for undocumented migrants. Here in America, the government does the same thing. When we talk about food justice, I hope we can think about those on the inside and the systemic reasons people end up incarcerated. I gave a workshop this week um, which wasn't this week, it was actually about a month ago now, to be technical, um, at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Albuquerque. The food served was all beige and honestly really, really revolting and didn't look like food at all. Far from what you'd find in Whole Foods or at the farmer's market. Aramark, who provides most of the food to prisons in the U.S., made $14 billion in revenue in 2013. Now I'm going to read an excerpt of an email from a friend who was detained last year in an immigration detention center and deported this January. So I quote, When I was arrested at noon at the immigration offices on Rue Saint-Antoine, the agent gave me a tuna and mayo sandwich. I'm allergic to processed sauces and they did not ask if I had any dietary needs. When I arrived in Laval that evening, I was given the same tuna sandwich with a piece of cake, and nobody asked if I could consume sugar. We ate in the dining room two minutes from the prison. On Sunday at 7 a.m., they searched us before going into the kitchen. One guard stationed in the front of us, another in the back. I remember at least 10 women. One Haitian woman, three Nigerian women, one Hindu woman, one Chinese woman, one American woman, and one Hindu girl who was about 10 to 12 years old. The menu was milk, bread, butter, and fruit juice. I usually have two coffees in the morning, but I only had one. With two guards watching, I felt pressured. When we arrived back at the prison, they searched us again at each new entrance. The Muslim women were fasting, and our keepers took their names and shouted loudly so everyone knew. It was humiliating for these women. On Sunday morning, I told the guard that I was not hungry. I was told to eat or I would be reported. The lunch menu at 11.30 was bread, rice, and salad. Supper was very early at 5 p.m. and similar to lunch. The staff served us from behind glass. The whole room was silent as a burial. There was an inmate who could not leave her cell and who would eat in her cell. She remained there 24 hours a day and did not communicate with anyone, with a guard watching her at all times. This is what I can write about my detention in Laval. I hope it is of use. Have a good weekend and see you soon. In friendship, G. So yeah, that is from uh, a friend of mine who, as I sort of mentioned before in the text, was deported um, to French Guyana in January, and that was her uh, recounting her experiences of food in the detention center.
I usually work in sculpture and sort of minimal minimal sculptural practices and in a gallery context. Um, so that's one way I think that some of this research gets translated. Um, I have like a quote unquote activist practice that isn't an art practice that I think is an important to, is important to maintain and actually um, for me like don't want to for it to become art, <laughs> you know, and have it exist as that. And then another thing that I've sort of, um, I'll be collaborating with some people here on sort of like a, an article series about some of the research I've done here. So I guess in some ways for me, all the research I've done sort of comes out in different, in different ways. And I think for the first time, specifically around food and food, food justice, it's really narrative, you know? I often look at architecture and I also look, often look at spaces of confinement, but specifically around food, it, it has been a lot about like these personal narratives and personal histories. And for me, that seems to translate best into writing, which is a, a bit of a new one for me. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes, yeah. I think that the, you know, sort of, the, there's a big push for, you know, like having critical perspectives on how our food systems work. And I think that's really important and needed. And I think for me, it's just kind of underlined for me um, how certain people still don't have access to that conversation. And for me, mostly thinking about folks who are incarcerated and how uh, in some ways, like they have absolutely no control over, um, like it's essentially a human rights issue, I think, the idea of food justice and food in prisons and sort of like what, um, like what is sort of like a basic human right when it comes to food. Um, and the food I've definitely seen on the inside, uh, for me doesn't, it doesn't, and the teachers on the inside sort of, and the, and the guards on the inside talk about it too, that it doesn't actually provide people with like enough energy to like get through their day. So what I've kind of come away with is like food and food justice as like a human rights issue. And uh, yeah, I think then that's kind of what I'm continuing to research in terms of uh, food and food justice.